Welcome to On Resistance Radio. I am Esho Funi, and today's dialogue will be around social capital. So, 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 social capital. So, 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 social capital. <laughs> social capital. <laughs> social capital for those who have it is a great old time. It's a, a party. It's a party some people aren't invited to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do everyone want to introduce themselves? And let's start from there. I mean, you already know who's going to talk. But let's do it. I'm Esho Funi. <laughs> talking about social capital. Capital, right? <laughs> let's talk about our social capital as a, uh, as a radio show. I'm down. But <laughs> Hello, I'm Bobby. Hi, I'm Jay. So let's define social capital. What does social capital mean to you? And then maybe we could talk about how social capital is used. So maybe like define what it is and then how it's used. And then maybe when social capital collides. So what does it mean to you? It kind of makes me think of a type of currency, like obviously the word capital. We live in a world structured on hierarchy and power and privilege that subordinates people from particular experiences. So I think social capital is a, it's like a type of currency. You can even find it in the movement where people get credit for certain ideas, people take credit for certain ideas, people appropriate experiences that are not their own, or people get credit for labor that is not entirely theirs. And so you can acquire social capital, and then it kind of builds a type of figurehead politics, figurehead movements, rather than dispersing and encouragement and energy and supporting more people. And I think social capital is a word I didn't really hear or use before the last few years. I feel like it's kind of the same as just popular. It makes me think of high school and stuff like that and popularity and and just kind of the sort of space and room you're given if you have that, if you're seen with having a lot of social capital. I feel like you become sort of untouchable depending how much social capital you have and how that can be harmful both. When it's in resistance spaces, how that can be harmful for both the spaces and the person themselves who has that social capital because they tend to go unchecked. When I think of social capital, I, I kind of break down a word, so I think about social and so like, social like, is usually turned to, I was just reading it, uh, like to, char- to characterize living organisms. And then thinking of capital, thinking of our capitalist structure, you're given money or you're given access to things that others don't have access to. So like combining them is like living organisms or a living organism that accrues so much capital into like spaces or whether it's economic capital or I guess we're talking social specifically. So just having like that space to speak and think freely, as well as giving space to make mistakes. I feel like social capital, you, there is a lot of space for making mistakes um, where it's not given to everyone else. So there it creates an unbalanced um, checking process or an unbalanced a horizontal creation. Could you think of other definitions of social capital? Would, if you could redefine it a different way, would you? is there something? I like how you associate it to like high school. Mm-hmm. Because that's where, like, popularity was, like, a real big thing. And so I feel like I heard social capital more when I went into uh, resistance uh, spaces or resistance-oriented spaces. But when I was in high school, it was like, oh, these kids are popular. I never was a part of the popularity crew or group Mm -hmm. in school. But I was on the track team. And sports have its own, like, social capital that's just here. And track, compared to some of the others inside of sports, when it comes to the social capital, like, things like those who play I'm on the sports, like maybe, like say golf. Is golf a sport? I try not to be. Th- <laughs> I 
I try not to go to like, uh, but yes, like or like basketball or football or um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah, feel, yeah, yeah, you feel, you tennis, yeah, <laughs> tennis. You know, even though the best tennis player is Serena Williams, so yeah, well, best hands down, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> always been a black sport. Yeah, <laughs> um, he got Tiger Woods, so golf too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when it comes up to being out of like high school and being in uh, the adult world, being a grown up. How has social capital affected, how does it affect spaces? It's like a dual experience because if you start actively exploring the power dynamics that exist interpersonally and then on a structural level, that might affect your social capital in like spaces that aren't doing that. Because if you are interrupting or com- confronting things, then that people do react negatively to that and do shame that. Or if you are trying to like redefine labor, People do react natively to that, but that same behavior will get you affirmed in other spaces and have you acquiring social capital in other spaces. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to think of all the areas that we interact with in our life, whether it be like workplaces that aren't consensual or, and I really appreciated how you were describing it as um, how to navigate space, entitlement to navigate space a certain way. And then I was thinking like, based on privilege and then also based on charisma, kind of mm-hmm. this loosely defined charismatic soft authority authority is a big word though i think about what it takes to acquire social capital and i feel like kind of you have a lot of social capital you have to be very aware about losing it right because you know you want to keep it and you want to acquire more of it if you're someone who cares about it and so i've noticed people with lots of social capital they won't necessarily do things that they feel can have them seen in like a bad light. So they'll kind of stay away from call out culture. They remain friends with people who are problematic. And so to be able to have social capital, I think you also have to be very privileged because it's kind of hard to have social capital when calling out problematic behavior. Especially Um, when it's happening to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When social capital becomes, when it becomes like the battle between social capital and then your image, there is a natural urge to self-preserve because instinctually we want security and our um, safety. There is a part of being conscious of your image in social settings. Those with like social capital, it becomes like this, I feel like this inner battle of knowing actually what's yourself and then what is actually the the hype of everyone around you. Uh, Those with social capital or the varying hierarchies inside of social capital will pre- always like protect that image. They won't call out someone mm-hmm. who's rude or someone who's like disrespectful or race- racist or sexist or classist or ableist, especially if that person has social capital. It's interesting how sometimes people those with social capital protect those with social capital. How has social capital affected participating in environments where there is intention on checking social capital? In resistance-oriented spaces, there is always like this greater conversation of social capital, but it's always talked about in this abstract idea and it's not really becomes personal into the into like self-reflective. So you don't hear a lot of self-reflecting aspects of social capital. I have more influence because of these set privileges. Society gives me these. So how has it affected participating in those spaces? A lot of dynamics when it comes to those who have social capital or call out culture or resistance or any kind of spaces. There is sort of this threat to call out people with social capital. 
And you yourself lose social capital for calling out people with social capital. Mm -hmm. Unless you're able to win the fight or whatever, you know, then you'll gain social capital. Mm -hmm. It's like this sick game of competing for likes, likes, right? Because mm -hmm. this all happens mostly on social media. At least for me personally, I don't really feel like I'm someone who has a lot of social capital, which is interesting because like as a writer, you need social capital, especially if you don't have an institution behind you. You really have to try to be popular on Twitter. You gotta like have a bunch of followers because your followers are how you're gonna get your shares. So there's a lot on just kind of protecting that. And I feel like a lot of what you see on Twitter is people love to get in these Twitter fights with people who do have a lot of social capital or who do have a lot of followers. If you get in the thread fight and you take that person down, then like bam, now you're gonna be popular. And so it's like a lot of competing and competition and it's like capitalism, um, except it's interpersonal dynamic. I think it's important to undermine social capital if you see it developing and you're a person with privilege or avoid spaces where you'll be rewarded for taking initiative or just not taking initiative or taking initiative less. And I do think in terms of thread wars on social media and how we've seen that play out, it's, it is very much about people coming to someone's defense and then immediately trolling the thread and then shutting down the discussion so no content can actually happen and it becomes about personality politics. And then if you have that social capital and people come to your defense, there's like more people watching your thread. So it's like about influence, but then it's about people observing and not commenting. But the reverse can also be true. I'm thinking about inherent social capital. Uh, social capital you get just from coming into existence. So like I feel like there's a social capital around white people. So like white people already get the benefit of the doubt, right, or the credibility of being like the good citizens and productive and uh, given to culture and science and all of these different fields, right? Whereas those without social capital, when it comes to like race, doesn't have, doesn't get that credit when you're in a process of self-empowerment. Where is that, like, where's that line at? As well as when you just got homies and you got just friends that just got your back. Going, who's going to speak up for you? Is there like a certain number of social capital, like having people support you that makes it become social capital opposed to when it's just something natural that comes of its own of self-preservation and worrying about your image because you interact in social situations and because we're social creatures? Preserving your image comes from this innate instinct of wanting to protect yourself. I think in movement spaces, it is a lot about rewarding empowerment, but kind of not critically looking at what empowerment is, not taking into account that people exist in social spaces differently, that some people are introverted, people participate differently. So I do think that it's like a certain type of visible participation of a certain kind is rewarded in certain movement spaces. And that can create social capital to the degree where now people aren't just coming to your defense, people are defending you when someone has like a, a criticism that mm. they actually experienced or like an experience that they want to bring up. There's either so much social capital as an individual or as a group, or I think mostly specifically social capital as organizations. It's organized social capital, so people just withdraw into their organization to like avoid addressing whatever's happening outside that organization. With social capital, I think it just depends, you know, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. on who it is when we have these kind of conversations, like whenever you talk about just like black people doing it, it, it does deserve other layers and critique mm -hmm. because as the already accused, right, as the already wrong, as the already damned and not giving the benefit of doubt, there has to be this sort of, I'll talk a lot about how black women, we really have to, we have to acknowledge our own work, right? No one's going to acknowledge our labor. I have to say, I did this. 
I have to say I did this and it was amazing because no one else is going to say you did this and this is amazing. As if I was a white woman, I wouldn't have to say I did this. You would already noticed it. You already would have said it's amazing and I would have already given all this stuff. That's when privilege comes in. And so when I think of someone who has like social capital, they also become, like I said before, like untouchable, where I feel like other people aren't untouchable. So who tends to be more untouchable white people? Who is very easy to go after black people? Can there be black people with social capital? Of course. But still, that's layered. What does that black person have to do to gain social capital? And then of their peers of people who have social capital, are they given the same room for error? You know, like mm-hmm. once they have that social capital, everyone's watching them, waiting for them to slip up, slip up you know, because then, then that's the best person to go after to get more social capitals. Like all things, you know, it's very layered, deserves context, depending on what we're talking about. It also reminds me of how just capital in general, to acquire capital is based on systemically denying capital, which is worth like any type of value, whether it's social value or economic value. And then how whenever you try to question how the power structure is stacked, there's instant apologism, whether it's like the police, because that structure ultimately has all the social capital because they're deemed, they're the dominant narrative and they're validated and they're the state has social capital. Right. Police have social Determines capital. Determines what it is, maybe mm-hmm. even. And even like within media sources, which media sources has the most, you know, reputable. I guess that could be another yeah, synonym let's talk, for social capital. Let's talk about structural social capital. So there was a few things that was mentioned. Is there other forms of like social capital you could think of? I think around medicine. I think how like the FDA has the social capital of what is healthy and what isn't. So that limits the search for cures as well as for um, more healthy medicines as the cannabis? Um, America has a lot of social capital. Gives them a lot of room to be able to continue their imperialism and colonization. So it is like Canada and the UK. I actually didn't mean to say Canada. I meant to say UK. Mm-hmm. But they do too. But not as much. No, not as America much. America has like, like when yeah. it comes down to it, like America... And runs this continent, yeah, in Ameri- some ways, yeah, yeah like North ways. America. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I think they're, they're barely holding on to power here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But definitely, like America is the big bully, popular kid. But no one likes America. You know what I mean? Like the rest of the world doesn't like America, but because they have so much social capital and capital and weapons, they're able to continue to like, rule and dominate and bully. Be mean. They're responsible for so much of how ways of life that are more horizontal have been destroyed. And then out of that destruction, they took all these resources and then create this system of medicine or however, whatever we're talking about. They deny it and then they offer it. And they have like the social capital that they built off of denying it to mm-hmm. then turn around and offer, whether it's a resource or it's reform or, or it's some sort of solution that they're selling because they're not just selling it monetarily they're selling it mentally emotionally through propaganda which is meant to be emotional the state has like social capital as well as force i like that point though Mm. like to think about it as like they have legitimate because like social capital is also legitimacy kind of Mm. credibility with the state having social capital but also have a violent force to back their social capital it kind of also like billies, like you said, people into like giving you social capital. Tell me you like me while they're punching you in the arm. Tell me you like me. Tell me you like me. It's like, if you stop punching me in my arm, I will say, I like you, America. America, I like you. And I was thinking about also like when it comes to social capital in the state, the media state, and what media firms have higher social capital. 
So CNN is like at the the top, but when it comes to like CNN and say like the New York Times, which one of them has more social capital? Do you separate it at that point? Or it's like, no, they're just, that's the elite social capital side of the media. And as well, when it comes to Pacifica, where does Pacifica fit in the social capital aspect? As well as a two-party system. Our two-party system is just their big Democrats and Republicans are social capital my quarters. So it doesn't give space for other parties if that... I think there's like also entire narratives also enforced by violence, whether from the state or interpersonally, that determine people's lives. So I'm thinking about like gender, how rigid gender imposition is and how that it does come through force and violence and how that's that determines how people interpersonally based on like their gender or their experience do or don't have social capital in spaces or are not being represented in the dominant media or through whatever is being represented is being erased through like even movement media. The fear that comes along with social capital as well of calling out other people's like social capital is a, it's a real thing, especially if you feel like there's abusive behavior. So you can't really, can't really say anything, but then there's also this fear of someone throwing at you, you have social capital. When it's like, where is that line? Where is that social capital? It's like, is that when social capital shows itself as like the protection of someone, opposed to when people just like you, you know, people just generally like you, but won't necessarily defend you if things pop off, or they're more silent, but they won't necessarily speak up for you in out in person, but they will speak up for you when you're together. So yeah, think about that. Those like levels of social capital inside of the social capital coin gathering game. Because I feel like there's people who have social capital who aren't liked, but because they do certain things or they're associated with certain groups or whatever, they're given sort of this sort of prestige a lot of times for opting into things. We were talking before in the car about how people are giving social capital for opting into some forms of resistance versus those who like have to. Like being arrested. There's a lot, yeah, and that was a big thing. I feel like in resistance cultures, you get social capital for getting arrested, and I remember that. And like Occupy was like immediate for the first mass arrest. There was like a whole thing. There was a special assembly, and everyone got to stand up and speak. And it's like predominantly like white and white passing people talking about their jail experience. This hierarchy of it was like the football team just came back from winning the state championship. I don't know when a lot of people have been in jail, but not for things that, you know, not for doing civil disobedience, but just for yeah, this is exactly my, being, like, yeah. This is exactly my experience. Yeah. I'm like, I've never been arrested at any political action, but I've been arrested and detained just in the neighborhood and actually been taken to jail, like outside of the neighborhood of our um, off of my street. It's not the same thing. Yeah. You know, it's not the same thing. You don't thing. get like, a speech for it. Yeah, no, you don't get a speech <laughs> for it. As well as, like, I didn't, I didn't opt into a space. There was a high level of being arrested. Other than realizing when I walk up my house, there's a high level of me being arrested more than some of my counterparts, most, most of my counterparts. So it's just, yeah, it's really interesting, like, arrest as well as people who can just talk. Just get a lot of space just to talk as I'm on a radio show. Um, <laughs> you know, a lot of people just get the, you know, get the space to like, just like you, you, you talk, but you don't have to put that work in, you know, you don't have to put that work in or the work isn't acknowledged for those who aren't in those like spaces that kiss your, your, your buttocks because, you know, you said something or you showed up. 
in social justice spaces or resistant-oriented spaces because like white people are opting in to struggle and resistance. They get a higher platform is because, wow, you gave up all of your privilege to be here with us. Wow. Uh, <laughs> this is amazing. Um, please tell me your experience about growing up in whatever island, you know? And, and it's also just interesting to talk about this conversation being in social justice or like resistance oriented spaces. Because even just talking about it, it can make it makes it seem that it's like pointed or targeted toward people when it's not necessarily that. Because like even being on this radio show, what type of social capital do you believe we have as a media place or where people hit us up, send us messages, ask, can they do things? Like tonight, we have a, a friend in the studio, um, Emily Grenfeld who sent us a message and it's like, hey, um, I would like to take some photos for my own personal project, but it'd be great because I listened to the show. So it'd just be great to take snaps. Not many people get that. That's not something that happens to people normally. So what type of social capital do you think comes with being um, a voice in LA? I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I still think that, I think, okay, so as on resistance? Yes, as on resistance, not personal capital that comes from, like, that's different. Okay. That's the layered aspect. Okay. Yes. So for just the first layer of on resistance, right? Okay. On resistance in the, it's interesting because I'm, I'm sure we get some sort of social capital. I don't necessarily see it, so it's hard for me to say that on resistance gets social capital. Especially, like, do we have social capital in KPFK? No. We've been doing the show for three years and just, yeah, there, do we have a lot of social capital just like within our own institution? No. Then there's the layer of depending on who you are and who you're participating, I'm sure you might get more social capital, your labor's recognized. It's hard for me to say that unresistant social capital because I don't get a lot of people directly hitting me up saying, oh, unresistance like this or the show's great or I listen to the show. And in my head, no one listens to the show. In my head, we're talking to ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I worry about social capital, and I'm glad we're having a more layered, nuanced conversation about it, because originally I was, like, just looking at hierarchy and layered politics, and I was just like, oh, I should, I mean, for me personally, it should always undermine social capital, should always talk about how I'm not authority on any subject, like, I don't have any specialized skills, because when you do act empowered or speak on something, we've just learned in this structure to project that onto someone else and to not look like, with, like, positive qualities within ourselves. Not all people, but some people. I'm always worried that people are going to think, take me too seriously as just one perspective and meet someone and they'll be like, you said this on this one day. And, you know, that, that worries me because I really think the ideas and energy is always fluid and changing and you should always be taking in new information and assessing and reassessing the structure. Because the structure can't be trusted and people can't be trusted. Um, solidarity can maybe be built, but that word has also been overused. Yeah, I worry about social capital as on resistance. I do think I do think we are putting out content and trying to agitate and I do think that there is something that comes with that empowerment. Like some people are going to listen to it and hopefully people question and disagree just as much as they are like, "Oh, that made me think." Or it's not so much about listening to something and then putting attention back on the person who said it as like listening to something and provoking content and like putting your energy wherever you want to put it. I don't know if it has to go back to the person who said it. Or maybe like social capital just reminds me of attention, people getting attention or getting credit. But within the collective, I think mm -hmm. it's good, to, important to affirm each other's labor. Mm -hmm. Like we thank each other and stuff. Also here in the station, people just because of ageism are always calling us interns and 
you know, <laughs> looking at us like, why are you here? <laughs> you know, like, or when we're in the studio, like, are you, are they really using the studio? Yeah. So, <laughs> I don't. Fridays Sorry. at 7.30. <laughs> Check it out. Yeah, to answer my own question, uh, thank you for allowing me to ask questions tonight. Um, so thank you. I like the fact that we're talking about how it's layered. Being on a radio show, I feel there is a amount of social capital that comes with being on the airways of Los Angeles. How many people listen to the show on Friday, 7.30 at night is like questionable. Inside of this organization or inside of this institution, I don't think you know, we have any social capital. We can't, <laughs> we, can't, we can't like really do anything. And I feel like even outside of the station and these media badges that we have, I don't feel like it really gives me any protection because I feel that me being black, there is still more of a social illusion that I have to always transcend or always like have to like step out of. The media only brings me up to like a little level, but it like brings me up to like a level of a light-skinned black person. You know, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> so it's like really interesting because I do get people tell me that they listen to the show. I was at a meeting yesterday, actually, or I was at a few, uh, a few weeks ago. I was at a meeting um, at work, and it's a process group, and it's uh, you have a one of the people who's psychologist or you know I forget her like her actual role, but she's like facilitating. At the end of this meeting, she says to me, "Hey, did I hear you on KPFK just recently?" And I was like, "Oh yeah," and I was like, "So you know, I wasn't joking when I made a comment," and then everyone started laughing, but it was like this awkward laugh, and I kind of made like a comment about like you know just being on resistance about like being inside of a group of people who wants to create a culture of resistance. So it's kind of like this awkward laugh, but she says something to me, but like, I have no connection to this lady other than this radio. So she says something to me and there's this interesting, like, uh, acknowledgement. So I've thought in that way, I feel like we, there's like social capital there, but then with inside of this collective and like how social capital like works, uh, it, it varies. It's like, it's completely different. And then like race and gender doesn't s- stop. I do think there is social capital and people would call this a platform mm-hmm. or like, okay. you know, access to broadcasting this this entire institution or industry. Does it interact with us and our content in the same way it would interact with other people's content? I don't think so. We try to understand that. And like, I think we really challenge ourselves to be vulnerable, which I think is like a risk to your social capital. A lot of the times the idea is we'll choose a content or a topic and we'll work through those ideas for the first time. For me, this project has been transformative for myself, too, not just to put out ideas that I've already prepackaged or that I'm trying to... This is like a space where it's about the process as much as it is about the content. And I think we've kind of said that from the beginning, like, oh, we're trying to show what horizontal type of interactions were. Also, I think because of the hierarchy that exists, things can't exactly just be expressly horizontal. But the attempt to process through and work through ideas... I still think it's social capital because of the platform, and I don't think there should be like a legitimacy that's awarded for this type of work, you know, or anything. We've also talked about how we don't have the credibility and institutional backing to do certain types of journalism that we might want to do because it would be dangerous for us. Do you think our social capital is like nullified because we're, there's also like the risk of the things we're talking about on air? And when it comes up to the the state, if they are listening, I'm sure that they are. Some of the conversations and the dialogues that we have and how like dangerous it, it is, does that change the the capital that comes from media representatives? That just makes me think about how KPFK also doesn't have a lot of social capital. Mm-hmm. When I try to use my press credential somewhere and it's like, oh, what? 
who are you with? <laughs> you know, like, what is KPFK want to come here for? But I, and I think that goes back also to, like, the content. They're not talking about who Taylor Swift is dating. It's more like political and politics. Usually someone who's political, like, you lose social capital because you're talking about things that people maybe differ opinions with. For us, I think, you know, with our formatting and that we don't come and we're not, we don't have our script and we're not like, <laughs> so, you know, and, don't talk, <laughs> you know, the way that you're supposed to talk if you're on a radio, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I say like a lot. I say um. I, I am, do too. I'm thinking about what I'm saying, and that's why I say um. People take that to mean that you're not someone to be listened to or you're not someone who they should respect or value your opinion, which has a lot to do with white supremacy. Because of that, our show kind of loses credibility, which could be replaced with social capital. Depending on your politics, the fact that we talk about certain things either gives us social capital or it mm-hmm. doesn't. Pretty sure for the people who are happy to hear about anti-capitalist or, you know, that people are talking about anti-blackness and white supremacy or people are talking about the police state or not just preaching nonviolence, I'm sure that gives us social capital. So it just depends. Bringing up the state... The state's interested in, like, denying social capital and credibility to certain narratives that are kind of in contrast and contradicting white supremacy and foundational government violence, genocide. Social capital is also being watched, and so it's like surveillance. The state is watching who other people are watching, and so through technology and through analytics and algorithms and social media, I do think that it's not that the state is giving you social credibility. They're watching how social credibility is doled out. And so in that way, you know, social capital is really dangerous. Like, after a certain amount of time, like, or a certain amount of social capital beyond just, like, communal care or, like, interpersonal friendships. When entire cults of personality are built around one person, and let's say that one person experiences something and they escalate their tactics or something that anyone might do. But if that person has a lot of social capital, the state is going to target them to whatever degree. Because the state, I think, the police are interacting in different communities, but they're using different tactics in different communities. The state is watching, and other people are watching, and I feel like that is a measurement of social capital. It's just the watching, the objectification, the observing, the weird piecing together of people's personalities based on things that you they post or things that you, an article they wrote or something, and, and then that constructing some sort of personal feeling. I mean, I also want to talk about stalkers in Occupy, um, so stuff like that, but it's also dangerous because of the state is watching that logic, that representative logic kind of unfold. I think the state also messes with social capital. They can <sighs> do attack tactics on people's character, I think that's why a lot of online harassment attacks are done. A lot of it happens to black women, and I think that's like a COINTELPRO tactic. And then it's also interesting how the state also gives social capital to organizations to legitimize them. You know, whatever org may be becomes like the legitimate Oregon, you know, and they're rewarded. And I feel like they do that as a to diverge away from any sort of autonomous resistance that may be happening. But I also want to say, like, I think social capital, depending on where you are in the spectrum of social capital, your perspective changes. 
if whatever isn't recognized, you know, and you want to be recognized, it's easy to say, oh, work doesn't matter. Organization isn't important if you are recognized, you know? So I feel like that's just important when we talk about these things. And that's why I think it's layered. Social capital is such an interesting and an interesting conversation. And it's, I think, specifically be, being a resistant-oriented spaces, like, consistently. It's, it's like one of those conversations that, like, sends chills in your body almost, you know? Uh, I'm not sure why is that. It's reflective. Mm-hmm. I think that's why. I think you know what you're talking about. <laughs> what are some ways to combat social capital? What are um, some things, way, how does an individual who is aware of social capital, aware of their social capital, how do they start to undermine it or deconstruct it? Or what do you do when you're in social, like when you have the social capital but, and you become aware that you're like, wow, I have the social capital. How do you undermine it without giving yourself more social capital? Because if you become a person who starts talking about social capital, when you have a lot of social capital, everyone is going to start liking you because you talk about <laughs> social capital. That's, that's, that's kind of how it works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, I think it's... <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like you have to, including an analysis of social capital is necessary. It's just like, are you going to do that while also undermining it? So we have Emily in the uh, studio <laughs> and how social capital also puts this pressure to be like perfect. Or that the person with social capital or won't doesn't make mistakes, and it's just like it's just not the truth. It's, especially when you're like working on <clears throat> when you're working on yourself, because I'm like a person who generally just speaks out, and I've always been that way since I've been younger. I've seen a off-duty cop in regular uniform um, pull a gun on my mother, and um, I was uh, five, but I saw how my mother stood up to this right person, and I've seen my parents like do it consistently. I've seen my parents leave many jobs and. And go from go from a, from one job to another job, and like leave like sometimes like secure spaces because of the way in which people have treated them. I was raised with this idea of you know defending and protecting myself, as well as like speaking out when something's wrong. I was taught to never start a fight, but you better finish it. So if someone starts a fight with you, you know you are to finish it. And as well as my parents said, if when someone's just like talking, and if they actually don't want to fight, then they don't want to fight. Then you don't sit and argue with people. Because of my environment growing up, I was always raised with this speaking up. And then I'm also like the oldest child. And I've always had like younger brothers and sisters that I always had to speak up for and always have to like defend and protect and uh, support, even with inside of our own dynamics as family. It it makes absolute sense that I'm in resistance-oriented spaces. And and in resistance-oriented spaces, you talk about about like like life rights or human rights and, um, and then the many different aspects of those rights. So I feel like outside of those spaces, people like, you know, yeah, they applaud you. They applaud me or they're like, oh, you're you're great. You know, you're I've heard people use the word brave and just the word brave annoys me. And the reason it annoys me so much when I think about Braveheart, that's one thing. And then, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> so it's like, don't call me brave. But the other thing is, is it is like almost removes them themselves from doing the same thing. No. Actually, it would be great if more people were speaking on this issue. Like, I don't want to be the person when someone says something racist, everyone looks at me and I'm like one of the only black people in the space. When someone says something problematic and everyone like looks to you because, well, we know Eshel is going to say something because I'm fair and it makes you like want to hide or makes you not want to like say or speak on inconsistencies or incorrect behavior or violent behavior just in general or violent thinking. It makes you not want to speak up on, on these specific situations because you know everyone's going to, is expecting you to say something because they think you're so brave. 
it's hard sometimes to just even put my own writing out. I'm going through this process of loving my writing again and loving the way in which I speak and um, the cadence of, of my own words. I have to go through that process. I've been doing this radio show for three years now, and I still get nervous to stop talking. But we have an amazing editor, <laughs> uh, Nick Jones. So I come off as perfect when I'm not. So it's like it's just interesting thinking about that, what comes into like social capital, because I know people look at me. People are watching me. I bust my behind, and I, like I do a lot of work. I do a lot of work around the city. So like, it's like, I think you just happen just to see me. It's, it's really interesting talking about like social capital. I hope if something ever happens to me that, you know, people do speak up. <laughs> if I'm ever like killed in police custody. This is a warning to the LAPD. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> like if anything happens, please, you know, like speak up. No, I wouldn't want you to like hold yourself. Like, no, turn some things up because I had brothers and sisters and I had a mother that I told I was going to do things for. And I was like taking off this planet, turn LA upside down. We'll see if I have that type of social capital. Because the LAPD is watching. Well, there's a movie, so. <laughs> <laughs> and, and just that, and just that, there is like this documentary that is this documentary <laughs> that's coming out. <laughs> it's this documentary that's coming out and it is around the idea of social capital. To be able to have someone like document, to have my name in a documentary that is like social capital that is there as well as social capital that is going to come. And there's no point of me acting like it's not going to be there, but it's like this real fine line, you know, it's a real fine line because the reason I went down to like Occupy was because Troy Davis was killed. So I went down there with something that's completely connected to like my people and things of that sort, but everyone should be speaking up for Troy Davis's or uh, uh, Aaliyah, you know, like all these people should be speaking up for them and it doesn't happen. So it's just like this really interesting thing, especially with the documentary coming out. Those whole movements built around activists. But also all whole movies built on like activists getting killed too, you know, it's like. Yeah. It's interesting if you don't use the term activist. When we went to that one meeting uh, to organize for this one march and like the first thing they asked was, who do you organize with? Are you an organizer? And I don't go by any of those labels. So I said no and boom, I was not seen as like credible to them. This other organization who has a lot of social capital came in and they said that and all of a sudden, you know, they were basically giving them bottles of champagne and like, you know, like <laughs> and courting them. And so it's just interesting how like if I don't use the title and I just say like I'm just part of the resistance, like you don't get that social capital. It's like mm -hmm. as if you're not still doing the same labor or work <laughs> as someone who would give themselves that title, which like makes me think a lot about the introverts or the really intentional horizontalists, how you kind of just get lost in the people who are striving for it. But I think it is important, just like back to your question of what should people do about social capital. First, recognize anything we don't recognize, like just like privileges, like we don't recognize that it's very dangerous. So like recognize that you have this social capital and then be aware of like how you use it and mm -hmm. how just being honest and real with yourself and others is like the most important thing, you know? And I think that when that begins to not happen is when things get dangerous and just always deconstruct and reflect. Understand that like you could still be doing something wrong and just because you're not being called out for it doesn't mean you're not doing something wrong. It just means you have a lot of social capital and no one's calling you out for it. With great social capital comes great social responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't, if you live long enough to either see yourself as the villain or you die the hero. Don't get caught up on no throne. Don't get caught, caught up, up on no throne. throne. That That's should the be the title title. of the show. Yeah. Don't um, get caught up on no don't throne. Don't get caught up on no throne because if yeah. you do, I'll take you down. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great title for this show. <laughs> Is there a um, any last statements 
our last comments that you would like to use being individuals who speak on Los Angeles radio ways. Uh, you can check out www.thisisbobbylendon.com. <laughs> Talk about social capital. Give me some. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to On Resistance Radio. Thank you, Bobby. And thank you, Jay, for a great conversation or intimate conversation. Thank around. you for facilitating. Yeah. It's my privilege. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to our show and um, tuning in Fridays at 7.30. If you don't hear us, it's usually because of FunDrive or because we switch out the first Friday of the month slot with another radio show. You can listen to all our past shows on www.soundcloud.com slash on-resistance. We have a website, www.onresistance.com, that will be launched uh, probably by the time you hear this show. We have an Instagram. We don't really use it. Why not follow us? Give it that social capital. That'd be great. If you like to see the pictures that are being taken, they'll probably be posted with the link from Emily's website. And thank you, Nick, for <laughs> editing this.